Hello everyone and welcome to Much Better People. This is a podcast created to be alongside you during those transitional times in life, but especially the ones that kick in your ass a little bit more than others. I'm your host Somya and each week I'm joined by a new guest to discuss their loves and losses and the lessons that they've learned from those things that they'll bring moving forward into the future. Now I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Ginger. She is a personal coach and guides women with ADHD and queers to be confident through communication, pleasure, love and intimacy. She also offers online tantric guidance and one-on-one tantra. So I'm going to read out a little review that she's received through her tantra work and I just think it really summarises her and it's wonderful. So somebody writes, how can someone be so pretty, confident and ravishing without also being intimidating? And they answer their question by saying, by leading with a warm heart of acceptance and generosity, genuinely, Ginger is one of the most loving souls I have met. Welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you? Oh, (laughs) oh, you've nourished me by telling me what someone else has said but like hearing someone else actually speak it has made me um my cockles warmed so yeah Yeah. thank you for that love that I've love that I've warmed your cockles that's a good start (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah definitely how are you I'm well thank you yeah like I said I'm really excited to be chatting to you and I think you've got something really unique to bring to the podcast as well so I guess I'd ask you maybe to just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing at the minute um, and then we can kind of take things from there if that's all right yeah lovely so the work that I'm doing at the minute I've been focusing a lot on the tantric um, experiences as I like to call them um, but I'm also focusing on my coaching quite deeply um I have been doing more of the tantric experiences and less of the online, uh, but I am wanting to create um, spaces where people can explore their sensuality, their sexuality, their self-love in a safe container that they can truly drop into their bodies. And uh, yeah, just really wanting to reach reach all sorts of this wider audience right now uh, so Mm -hmm. that I can... um, you know, help heal this deep wound that we all seem to be carrying around with us, something that's carried around um, in everyone's day-to-day life and affects us in so many different ways. Yeah, wonderful, thank you. How did you get into this type of work? I'm quite interested. I don't think I've asked you before. Mm, uh, Yeah, so interesting question. It was a bit of a long journey for me in uh, guiding kind of being guided into this work and it started really when I traveled and lived in Australia for a while. Um, I came across quite a lot of uh, different people who were very open sexually, um, very empowered women and uh, sisterhood and being around communities like that. Uh, I actually ended up starting doing quite sexy work I would say to uh, be able to have fun for once in my life with money yeah. and not get so Good for you. stressed about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh, yeah that was that was quite a fun time so yeah got into some sex work and through that realized how much you could actually deeply heal through this sort of work and how many dark things people would think about that sort of work but um yeah the light of it being that there's so many people out there actually really healing many people especially men through that work so um went to some workshops of tantra um did a bit of research myself um really naturally felt guided towards the sensuality part and uh, eventually found because I wanted to do this so much and was a bit afraid of telling people, oh, I'm doing the sex work, you've got to be kind of quiet about this. I'm like, how can I do this in a way that people aren't going to be judging me, in a way that I can go about life and just be like, I do this and I help people heal sexually. And came across someone called Layla Martin who did this really intense course on sex, love and relationship coaching. Um, and it, yeah, it was like 
it's a really long course. It's the longest course that you can get in this kind of work. Um, and it was the most expensive as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I knew that I really wanted to get the best information and be the best person to be able to hold these spaces and heal people even deeper. Um, so basically, I uh, followed Layla Martin's work a little bit and uh, got really, really hugely inspired and did her training to become who I am today. Amazing. Yeah, I really like the fact that you were so open you know, to this experience and it's clearly led you somewhere that that you're really enjoying. So that's a real testament to you because I feel like perhaps lots of people may, like you say, there there is still stigma around um, certain types of work. Another thing you said to me, which was really interesting, you talked about these wounds that people carry and you also talked about kind of tantra work with men. And that really struck me because I feel like in sort of general society, there is this real pressure on men you know physically and sexually and their masculinity is all tied into these kind of very ordered roles they're meant to engage in so could you tell me a little bit more about I guess these wounds that you mentioned and is there anything specific to men that you found as maybe a bit of a theme that comes up for them Mm. yeah so thank you for asking that question with the wounds that are happening around men I feel the most for the most part so much of it is them not feeling like they can be in their truth in the fear of being seen of probably I mean in the spiritual side you'd probably be like because they don't want to be seen in their feminine because we all have masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. but if I want to say that to speak to a wider audience it's that side of them that is more sensitive so a lot of men don't feel that they are able to um, be that sensitive person and uh, a lot of men also have that problem with um, the fact that they have learned sex through porn so this has been a really huge problem for a lot of men and also erectile dysfunction along that or um finding it hard to um either finding it hard to ejaculate or the opposite so these are the most common parts with men the other thing that i seem to see a lot is men finding it really difficult to connect with women and not knowing how to connect with women Yeah, that makes sense. And this might sound like a really obvious question to ask you now, but do you work with women? Do you take female clients? So, yeah, I'm just going to say now as well, with the women and queer um, non-binary femmes that I work with, I mainly work with them for coaching. Um, I am trained Mm -hmm. in tantric massage for people with vulvas as well, but I am mainly focusing on the coaching side for them. and so I haven't got too many experiences down with women um, and vulva owning people with tantric massage. But within, if, if I go on it from the coaching side of aspect, I would say that um, the femmes that come see me, the problems, I see a lot of queer people, funnily enough, who are actually going out with um, other, other femmes. And so they wouldn't have that issue with like you know the opposite being man or whatever if they're a woman (laughs) mainly it's just them um what I feel with a lot of femme people is that they're they need they need a confidence boost as well and they want to feel more sensual and actually within um vulva owning beings uh we find it a lot harder to tap into the sexual side of ourselves and get turned on and um, lead from a place of empowerment with ourselves. We shy ourselves away and um, we generally have, well, or they, you know, all the people that I see generally have a problem with, um, yeah, putting themselves out there and worthiness and uh, feeling beautiful enough and it's just... The difference in that is, I wouldn't say there's too much different. I mean, in a way, it's another thing of like being able to speak and be able to be seen. So it's quite similar, but different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perhaps the underlying kind of structures are similar, but the way they present themselves might be a bit different. And and again, that's kind of guided by our environment as well as as well as who we are. Yeah. So with uh, clients that you work with as a coach, and uh, I'm thinking a little bit more about ADHD, how would you describe the kind of 
work that you do? I know that's a very vague question, um, but I guess just uh, if you could tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, that's a really good question because I think a lot of people are kind of scared off about a sexuality coach. What is she going to make me do sort of thing? Um, <laughs> but the main things that I work on with people is actually getting um, the desire of what the people want, uh, being able to envision that desire. But then also um, I work a lot on things that are stopping them from getting what they want so we look back on what life was like as a child so we do inner child work we do somatics with that we get the masculine feminine in the mother the father wounds and we literally get down deep to the bottom of the cause and we bring up what's been going on in the subconscious and the unconscious through these tools and mechanisms. So it's not mechanism, that sounds mechanical. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's about getting to the root of the issues. And I don't think people realise that this is what I work with sometimes uh, because we like to live kind of like on a surface level a lot and we want to know that we've got a quick fix and it's going to happen and it's going to be nice blah 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 but I actually really help guide people go through some really deep rooted things that could have happened and I think with people who have got ADHD especially we we do hang on to things a lot and we have had a lot more going on for us as children uh, with things that maybe teachers have said, our parents have said, and uh, family members have said, because the way of us learning is different from the neurotypical type. So there's a lot more damage, really, that's been done, which has unexpectedly or unknowingly actually sat in their systems and stops them from being able to um, completely be uh, the most powerful selves as adults. If that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah I can imagine that and of course in you know I've met a few people who have ADHD and, and that does seem to be a kind of theme of they are very bright um capable successful traditionally and yet there does seem I mean I can't speak for everyone but there does seem to be this kind of underlying lack of confidence and lack of self-belief and it's it appears very very deeply ingrained even though on the you know if you think outwardly they are what you'd call traditionally I guess successful or or, or I guess achieving what they want to achieve so I can imagine that comes from a lot of negative yeah. feedback <laughs> and I guess being you know forced to live the way that other others think you should or behave obviously the way others mm. think you should and um, remember the way that people think yeah that we should and um mm. Yeah, and even just doing things which are quite clumsy because we actually are a lot clumsier than other humans. So everything, basically yeah. everything that we've we've done um, growing up, transitioning into different ages, like we're hanging on to these childhood parts of ourselves because we've been told so many things. So yeah, it's all about getting right back to where it started but not going into a story as well. It's more going into those internal feelings because we're so much in there as neurodiverse um, people that we forget to come back into our bodies and our bodies is what's are going to tell us what um, we need to do. So all of these things, it's not going back into story. It's about all sorting out what's gone on in a way that we can confront it as an adult and go into our bodies. So that's why it's really, um, it's really, really, truly amazing work. And um, yeah, I'm not a fan of going into story and repeating that story mm -hmm. because it doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you just said, um, it's very similar uh, to what one of my first well, my first guest ever, Priya, was talking about um, somatic um, conditioning yeah. or somatic reasoning, something like that. And basically saying that there is some kind of utility or validity in talking about your experience, but not in constantly going back over it and, and repeating it. Um, and so she was doing, she's learning to be a breathwork mm, practitioner. So, yeah, she's been talking to us about that. So, you know, that really <clears throat> matches up with with what she's discussed already as well which is yeah nice yeah I do a bit of breath work as well in my yeah. sessions so yeah it's very yeah. similar and I saw that little clip you sent me I'd be interested to watch that yeah because that is powerful work yeah. I, people are messaging me like Pri I want to be Priya's friend <laughs> I'm like, I know I bet everybody does she's amazing 
um yeah so no that was really really sort of insightful as well I learned uh you know I learn a lot about myself with these podcast episodes as well especially when I have somebody come on that's a specialist you know in their area so in terms I mean I don't know if you mind opening up about this but um your own diagnosis of ADHD how were you diagnosed so I'll tell you a little funny story about it because it, it always gets people laughing a little bit. Um, it did happen in Australia. Um, first of all, it was because my best friend who was there, uh, she had ADHD. I'd never really thought that I'd have it at mm. all in my life. Okay. And then she kind of said, you literally think the same things as me, uh, but you speak them out loud and you do the same things as me. And like, you're always like all these things. And, you know, um, so have you ever thought about getting checked for ADHD? And I think I just had these like random bursts of anxiety mm. and, you know, cause we go through this all day, every day, pretty much when we've got the ADHD brain. So anyway, I uh, planned uh, to go see a doctor and uh, then he referred me to a psychiatrist and in Australia, it was quite quick for me to do that only within a few months. Wow. So here it's like two years or something. You get put on a waiting oh, okay. list. Mm, it's mad. Um, so anyway I arrived at the psychiatrist um, place well kind of I got basically I missed I thought I'd miss the tram or I did miss a tram on the day of my appointments um, then ended up getting an uber for the last bit because I got a tram to the wrong side of Melbourne had to get there really fast thought I was going to miss my appointment ended up at the appointment that I arrived and they said that I was a day early for your potential diagnosis <laughs> of ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> and so luckily someone's appointment, they had rang in. Um, obviously another ADHD person didn't show up. So I was able to get my appointment okay. slot anyway. Yeah. So I did and had a couple of sessions with, you know, a couple of appointments with this psychiatrist. First time they're talking to me, what my experience is, what people like, what he thinks like people have said about me, what do I suffer with daily, what comes up for me that's really difficult to manage. Da, da, da. Then I, um, second appointment, it was going through my school reports and seeing what you know was happening for me at school, right. like from my parents. And um, yeah, so they dig into that. Um, into that part and yeah got diagnosis after they looked at all my school reports <laughs> like oh yeah she's always distracted okay <laughs> has lots of potential always with people's hair. yeah <laughs> yeah i can't but she has potential yeah I, I, yeah. yeah sure um i can't believe they dug into that i'm i'm surprised but of course that makes sense like you know yeah um because you often hear obviously people being diagnosed as children um but of course there are lots of people knocking around that are, that are either misdiagnosed or undiagnosed um well yeah this is the thing I don't know whether some of them just go into like what's going on for you now but that's potentially dangerous because a lot of people who have actually had trauma as a child um or trauma growing up get a lot of ADHD symptoms but it's the symptoms of the trauma not ADHD so a lot of people think that they've got ADHD but actually they don't because they've just gone through something that they've not been able to deal okay. with um, able to in a way yeah. so yeah okay yeah I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense um and thank you for sharing that that's quite funny um so you reminded me of something actually so I used to well very up until very recently I was living with um a woman um who uh, is from America and um so we've become friends now and actually it was hilarious because after literally about a month of living with me um she one day was like do you have ADHD and I was like no and then she was like mm -hmm. oh right and then another kind of month passed and she was like I asked because I have it and I was diagnosed with it as an adult and a lot of the things that you do really remind me of myself ah. <laughs> and I was just like Please no, 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 don't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not addressing this. I'm just carrying on. <laughs> but that's not the. It's probably not the. Well, I don't know. It's there. There were quite a few things that she would point out, and um, and I've always thought were really kind of just usual. 
and then as I guess as time went on and as she you know continued to live with me I think she was like um <laughs> so we have like a running joke now she to this day she's like go go to a doctor and see go and find out you could do you could do maybe I, I don't will. know what your life at school but you did go to a pretty good school <laughs> <laughs> that's usually pretty impossible okay okay oh you, you mean green head. Really, really hard. oh no no so this high school I went to was absolutely shit I managed to scrape myself in yeah um well I don't know I feel like there are a a lot of other things that that don't really fit the traditional picture but it is quite interesting when somebody you know themselves has it and and Mm. they then notice notice Mm. that new and of course for many people it's we're we're so you know things are so kind of open and diverse that that it may not be that but when you were saying that about your friends saying you say the things you think the same (laughs) well you know you could get if you wanted to if it makes you feel good I mean yeah if I ever do podcast episode number two I'm coming back on (laughs) yeah shall I interview you or interview yourself yeah you interview me yeah um well we'll get there (laughs) um so I suppose thinking about the themes of the podcast then um stop talking about myself um you know I've I guess we've already discussed love loss and lessons as my usual kind of I guess overarching themes I use to kind of guide the episodes um but they don't have to be kind of traditional or kind of straightforward loves and losses and things have you had to think about any kind of loves in your 20s that really shaped you or you feel that you'd want to bring yeah, so it's interesting. When you said loves, I was actually a bit like, that's so vast. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean by loves? Are you talking in relationshiply or loves of what I've, like, picked up and really enjoyed or what? Yeah. So <laughs> I have another guest ask me that. I mean, I did it intentionally. So she gets many different stories on as possible. Um, but I guess the answer is also a little bit vague. It's just... The way I describe it, I suppose it could be a relationship or a connection, a friendship, um, something you love to do, or I guess just maybe a time in your life that you loved. Just anything that you really associate with very positive kind of feelings that stuck with you and um, you feel has maybe molded you or guided you. And, yeah, yeah. Um, well, for me, like the loves of travel throughout my 20s has been like mm-hmm. the main thing and it's literally guided changed me well I don't want to say changed I'm not I'm still the core same person but it's grown me it's allowed me to be um unapologetically me authentic you know there's these words that (laughs) seem a bit cheesy but um (laughs) it's completely true and uh yeah I would say also yeah loves within kind of I found my my love for I exercise actually and never used to be into exercise before so I'm just like going way back and I know that that's like really really helped me like with with my ADHD before even undiagnosed it just helped me completely and uh, really brought me out of a deep dark depression and also um yeah my loves and Mm. what I realized my love for kind of animal rights and um veganism that was that really shaped me through my life like that is my main love and something that I literally can't even fathom any anything else or any other way so I absolutely have that passion and love for that you've got lots of loves there yeah and in romantically (laughs) romantic loves it's really funny because I suppose I've had a lot of loves there too because I just went through this massive phase of like loving so many people and everything that I uh, went through a phase thing well a phase thought I'd like to I probably used the word flew about the word polyamorous a little bit but I literally was like that's me that's me so you know um I don't like to use that word anymore that term but yeah loves people I I felt so much deep connections with people. Um, yeah, so we think about your love of traveling because that's really connected yeah. to now actually what you're even doing for work, which yeah. is amazing. Um, where did you kind of, when and where did you start traveling? Like just a little picture of, of mm. when you did that. Mm. Uh, was I 20? I think I was 20. Um, basically, I met a, a man who was like into circus performing and things like that of Manchester. 
um and sorry I just I love that I just met a man that was in circus performing a circus man (laughs) and he really inspired me and I wanted his life and I literally remember he came to my house and he was like we sat in the porch and I was like I'm so jealous of your life he's like why and I'm like you're traveling all the time. He was going to Portugal in a couple of days, and I was like a bit upset that I wasn't going to see him, and you know, blah blah blah. And then he's just like, just book a ticket yeah. and go. And I was like, but uh, I need to get a job, and uh, I need to do this, and uh, you know what people yeah. usually do. Um, so yeah, I ended up that night just going. He's so right. Like my head was just going, yeah. Yeah, well, my heart was going, yes, yes. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to get judged by my parents and, like, money and blah, blah, blah. Um, But, yeah, I ended up booking my flight and a week later went to Portugal. And so started my trip there. Uh, Someone that I'd met who was a friend of the circusy guy, a friend in Manchester, connected me with someone in Lisbon, stayed with them and then went to this, like, free festival for, like, five, six days and ended up in the back of someone else's circus van (laughs) for like traveling up Europe so it started then and then it became a bit of an obsession and something that I couldn't stop doing and it was very cheap way of living in the van and just yeah catching rides off people and it was yeah it was great and that was just it that was the spark Yeah. yeah That sounds incredible and, and just amazing, isn't it? Just being like, yeah, circus man. And then I went here and I went there. It's, that's just the nature, isn't it? And I guess if you start to release that sense of control, you know, I mean, obviously you need money and you need to think about your your basic needs, you know, need to be met and your safety and things. But mm. um, I think doing it at that age as well is really, I, w- I would say probably changed the trajectory of your life because if you were still where you were and you were trying to I guess maybe I don't know if you were doing this but if you were trying to pigeonhole yourself into a certain way of living or feeling judged and and then not kind of exploring what you wanted um yeah who knows what you'd be what you've been up to I'm so glad I love how you said release that control as well because I'm just like I just remember a moment in my head just being like right take it away and you know just I was like, you know, big lump in my throat sort of thing, but yeah. just just do it. And it's just literally chucking away any of these, like, well, societal constructs. I just pretty much just left hairdressing yeah. and all of this sort of life that everyone told me, you know, I... I was supposed to be at school. I was supposed to go to college. Instead, I did hairdressing, which was bad enough as it was at the time from my own family. And, like, I should have been going to university. And then I shouldn't have left hairdressing to work at a hummus shop. And, you know, it was just, like, taking all this. And it's like, okay, my next step is to let everything go, not work at all, and just travel. And it's just, like, literally taking away those those social norms yeah. constructs that I was <laughs> bashing them around bashing it, bashing it off <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel like I just go around collecting people for this podcast who I just want around me because when you were talking I was just like oh this is literally what I'm doing um so it's very you know it is inspiring to hear that you did it and you did it at such a young age you know and you were sufficient and you managed and um and you've taken so much from it um, but yeah, I had a quite a similar experience to you. I was planning to go traveling. I couldn't in my twenties, um, for a number of reasons. And now I'm a bit more kind of, you know, secure and able to do that. I was planning it for a, a while and then COVID happened. So obviously couldn't go anywhere. And then, um, I think, well, I keep, you know, this is how the podcast was kind of um, inspired, but I had this huge breakup and I moved out. And obviously in that relationship, I was in it for five years. So it would have been quite hard to really properly fuck off because mm. that it's like, that would have been, you know, kind of harsh. And so suddenly I was completely yeah. single. I had no other responsibilities apart from my job, obviously. So I was thinking and thinking and just kind of meandering along, like, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I went on a date with um, a guy who I've, just done I've done an episode with watch out don't date me I'll make you I'll make you come on the podcast if you're interested enough Um, (laughs) and yeah so Jonas from Estonia just turned up he's in Manchester I'm talking to him and he's talking all about his life and 
you know, kind of leaving his job in his early 20s, which was really intense. And then just, why not? One day he was like, book the flight, just book the flight and go. And I was chatting to him about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Book the flight. And I, and I did, um, you know, and I have. So I bought a one-way ticket, non-refundable to Mexico. Wow. And I'm going in November. So wow. it's, yeah, it's very exciting. And I'm really pleased that at least I'm having the opportunity to do it now. I suppose doing it younger would have had its benefits but I think you can just kind of you can only really control what you can so yeah it's nice to hear that hear that experience for you and how it's kind of like I said molded how you are now you know as as you kind of move forward a little bit more um so yeah that's really exciting also it's just a great story (laughs) oh thank you yours is really great too it's it's and this this comes different times that everyone's in their life and um yeah so yeah it just sounds yeah. like it's a big door waiting to open for you, which is so exciting. It is really exciting. And I think there's definitely that aspect, which is quite natural in, I guess, modern society in the sense of you are, you do present yourself a certain way and then you are expected to behave a certain way, especially when you work certain jobs. You know, um, I work in the NHS and I'm not saying I'm, I'm like completely wild and I can't be because <laughs> I work in the NHS, but I definitely think that um you know you you people kind of treat you the way that they've always known how to if that makes sense and I think you can mature and grow and evolve as much as you can but they're still going to probably treat you like your parents for example the way that they envision you (sighs) and the way that they've kind of created a concept of you you know in in their own minds and in their own world so I think traveling has that aspect of people don't know you Mm -hmm. you know I'm going alone I'm I'm traveling from Mexico down to Costa Rica so yeah, you know, a simple thing. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I'd love to. So, that with you. yeah, <laughs> um, but I guess you have an opportunity to just like I know, the word authentic. I keep using it, but you do have an opportunity to be probably more authentic because you don't know anyone, and if you hurt, you know, I'm not going to go around being nasty to people, but if you hurt people's feelings because they don't respect your boundaries or they don't kind of you know uh, they aren't in line with how you want to live, then fuck yeah, it, I'm, exactly, I'm, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I I feel whenever I go back to, unfortunately, Halifax and, like, Manchester and things like that, I just feel like I'm carrying this whole, like, which I'm still working on because it, it can take a while. But And I think there's there's some there's some spiritual leader that says something about, like, if you feel like you've done all the work, try and spend two weeks with your family. But basically the same thing when I go back <laughs> to my hometown and I'm like, this, you know, if I meet up with people that I used to know and, like, just trying there's something in my my mind and my body that shuts off and when I'm out traveling and I don't know someone and they know me as me ginger you know obviously that's not the name that you knew me from and it's like I'm not that person anymore and you can just show yourself as this fresh self who's come out and learn all this about yourself and you're willing to learn more about yourself and yeah it's really really interesting thank you for sharing that one so you mentioned a few obviously different loves there and um I guess love and loss often can you know they can come in hand in hand and that's something I've seen through the podcast as well thinking about losses again and your 20s it's really more about things that are sustained or that again have shaped you and actually I think you've touched on a few things um in terms so what I mean is that you were talking about your ADHD diagnosis much older and I don't know whether that for you it comes with potential loss because obviously if you had been diagnosed at a younger age were there kind of um would there have been kind of differences for you and do you think that maybe um that would have supported you know you would have been much more supported and or do you think having quite a young diagnosis of ADHD almost does the opposite and it it kind of puts you into a you know a bit of a kind of you're pigeonholed a little bit or or does a stereotype wow it's really interesting that you asked that question because yeah there have been losses from it there've been I was probably yeah it's it's like things like I mean this is quite dark but going through a sexual abuse assault by someone in my own class when I was in year six and him not being in trouble because he had learning difficulties and I think back at that every time and I'm like Mm. if they knew that I had ADHD they wouldn't have been able to say that he wouldn't have been able to get away with what he did to me if I was also 
you know, known as that. And like, I was just taught called hypersensitive all the time and all these things that, yeah, there are a few things and me being quite slow within my learning and not able to catch up like everyone else Mm -hmm. in the class and yeah just never being able to kind of understand maths and things like this which I needed one-to-one guidance for and I do get a bit annoyed sometimes that I didn't get that because I just felt alone constantly I felt it was really difficult to make friends and that my friends wouldn't understand me and no one would understand me. My parents wouldn't understand me. And if I got told when I was younger that I had it, I I would have had more support from everyone around me and not trying, you know, there's always this thing of like, why am I not, you you know, my brother's very academic. Why am I not as academic as them? And yeah, lots of questions. But then at the same time, it's like this assault that happened to me and all of these things that happened to me um, and the way that it has gone might have been for a reason because I think some of the best sexual healers in the world is because unfortunately they have actually dealt with that sort of thing and you know if it was any different and you know he was in trouble and I might have not had as much like trauma from it or or something like that would I have got into this work or would I be stuck in a rat race I don't know so I've just got to appreciate and understand that there's a reason why these things have happened in the times that they have and um just there's no no going back and there's no looking back it's just about moving forward and how we can use them as a life lesson yeah and what an incredible thing you've done to use you know something that's so awful that you've experienced at such a young age and actually um been so kind of open you know and honest around it as well and I really appreciate that um and it just shows you know just how bright you are and reflective you are because you've been able to take that experience and help others with it which I think is really important it's okay. <laughs> um, so I guess thinking about, um, you talked about sexual healing. I'm going to have to put that song in now, aren't I? I'm going to have to put a clip in. Um, <laughs> if somebody was thinking about their own sexuality and perhaps um, struggling with coming to terms with that, do you work with people like that? Do you work around sexuality as well as Yeah, just in terms of losses, because I'm thinking generally, you know, and and talking about um, kind of sexual healing, but also maybe facets of personalities that people haven't kind of come to terms with completely. I feel like there, you know, there are probably a a number of people out there that that might be interested in knowing your your view on that. um, Yeah, wow. It's really interesting that you've asked that. Um, As I say, there's been a couple of people that have been like, going you know a couple of people that have had girlfriends who are women as well I don't know why they're called girlfriends or partners who are you know same sex partners basically and um but then I also had one client who ended up um after years of dating men ended up now she's in a very loving best most loving partnership that she's been in um her whole life and that came after our sessions together with uh, with another woman um so yeah it's I suppose these things come up when you do the deep work and when you do dishevel a lot of things that have been kind of obscuring what's going on in your body and mind over the years uh so I can work with people through that if that was yeah. a question they would want to explore it and then I could explore it by going through um yeah, go, going through moments of with like their their peers and caregivers and things like that and things. So yeah, every single time I take people through aspecting, then they uh, end up uh, turning into that person that they're talking to and actually feeling inside their body why they did it. And then you can come of a place of compassion to why they did it. Um, eventually, after you know, you can go through some some emotions like you can be really sad you can be angry and you drop into those sensations as that person and it can make you really understand where they've come from why they've done it and help you come through those those particular parts so I reckon doing doing things like that and touching into the emotions and maybe triggers that they have around like um queerness or whatever uh would be really really emotionally empowering to help them rip off that 
bandage of um, needing to check that part of them a little bit more. Yeah, and even giving them some sort of homework to, if they're single, for example, even like looking looking out for maybe someone <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to date who's the uh, yeah, yeah who's the same gender as them, and just like eventually, you know, putting themselves out there, and that because that can be quite scary to do. So yeah. Thank you. Now, it's just kind of um, to get a, a scope, I guess, of, of all the different types of work that, that you do as well. Um, so I've got a question for you and it might be a bit too personal. So tell me to fuck off. Um, when you <laughs> So when you're thinking about these kind of wounds, I suppose, that, you, that you're healing or you're trying to heal um, and, and I guess come to a point where you are actually being very kind of real about, you know, how, how you are and who you are as a person. And I guess um, for, what, from what you've said, what I gather is that it's around, it's not just about sex as an act, obviously, it's about your wholeness as a person. And obviously sex and sexuality, you know, mm. are, are an ingrained huge part of, of everybody. Um, would you be kind of um open to talking a little bit about um you, the you know any kind of wounds that you feel that you've had to kind of work through as part of your journey in, into helping other people I know you mentioned um obviously what had happened you know a, a kind of very um formative experience when you were younger but if there were other things that that you've kind of worked through um that'd be interesting to hear about yeah, yeah. One of the part of our training was that we weren't allowed to go rife on anyone else until we did three months of our own deep diving of wounds. And I'm talking mm-hmm. like pff, of our own stuff. Like we could at the beginning, it was like 30 plus hours a week of doing our own inner healing. So <laughs> trying to remember wow. what was coming up. But obviously there's a hell of a lot. It's um it's not just yeah and I like when you talk about healing as well I like how you said about myself because I don't actually consider myself to heal someone but I help guide people mm-hmm. through them healing themselves um but when I'm doing it myself and healing myself which is going to be an ever long journey I'm not going to lie um <laughs> there are the aspects that you learn to heal in that moment and then um work with so oh anything I think a lot of this kind of like I'm still working on the worthiness thing that I have going on in my in my psyche and I think that is again from what I have um so many just doubtful so much doubtfulness from people around me like again peers teachers um parents never feeling good enough compared to my brothers comparison self-comparison and also like bits in my life with not just that assault that happened when I was eight but actually various assaults that have happened during teenage years and we Mm. talk about the inner child a lot but we actually generally stop not stop there and don't talk about our inner teenager but I had so much that I had to work was going through as a teenager so I feel like I um with with what I did healing uh wise I I did have to heal some wounds of teenager and I think within well obviously within your sexuality and finding your sexuality finding what you actually enjoy um it you you start kind of exploring and being a bit louder about exploring with your own sex when you are a teenager so um I had to go through some woundings around like um well actually not enjoying sex not enjoying penetration and woundings Mm -hmm. around um uh, relationships and not really knowing how to uh communicate in a relationship not knowing how to uh, be in a relationship and also yeah I think the main thing is communication here of like how I've been able to be myself in front of other people and um, communication around like not projecting in a way that in an angry way to someone else and um, yeah there's been all sorts that I've had to deal with but I think definitely a big part of it was like getting through my my own desensitivity when it comes to actual sex and penetration uh, I think and also like numbness but not just numbness like pains that have been stored so a lot Mm. of what we did we actually went through pains um that are stored or numbness that is stored within our bodies within our vaginas and in our wombs which 
we've held on to. So a lot of it was deeply diving into that. So it was really powerful work. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, and again, like you said, you obviously have to do that yourself before you're unleashed, <laughs> unleashed onto onto others. Mm. Um, and it sounds like there was a lot that you've done in quite a short amount of time as well. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just the three months though as well. Mm. When we started doing our I mean it's still going on now um yeah it is yeah it was it's very deep like for three months like mm-hmm. but then yeah. throughout the rest of our training for the whole year we had our own okay. self practices to do so everything yeah. that I was practicing and helping other everything that I do to help other people I have the tools and was able to have the tools to actually go through all of the key learnings um for my own for my own personal yeah. thing so it did last the whole year and is still lasting now I'm still getting on with them now <laughs> yeah of course yeah I'm sure you're always yeah. learning you know um it sounds like well, we have to do continued professional development in the NHS so <laughs> sounds a bit like that good that's good to know <laughs> god you need it though with the NHS Jesus Whew. Constantly developing, I think. Um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, you do a really tough job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I just want applause and like <laughs> clout. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, I've asked you some challenging questions, and you've been just really kind of uh, natural and and answered them really well. So thank you for that. I guess we're coming up to a bit of a natural end, and um, I know that I've asked you about lessons, and sometimes that can be hard because. You can learn a lot and it's 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 quite difficult to um, maybe always, you know, kind of articulate it in a, in a really packaged way, let's say, or a way that's easy for other people to understand. Um, but is there anything, something that I suppose you feel helped you and will continue to, to help you as, as you move mm. on? Suffering, I think a really good one to, that's coming up right now, is that suffering is always, it's, it's never going to last it's not all it's not mm. forever it's always going to get easier um i think i'd love to just really allow people to recognize the importance of community and having community around you and that you don't have to do your self-healing alone it's not all about the self it's mm-hmm. really important to have other people around you enjoy feeling if if i want to go back into the sex stuff um enjoy feeling around um (laughs) experiment and know that like no one's born knowing how to do sex we all have to learn it um realize what it is that turns you on and base yourself on that and speak your needs speak your truth if you are not getting your needs met by someone allow them to know your feelings behind that just allow yourself to um be be within your body rather than your your head when it comes to your emotions and just uh, be authentic around that to other people i know that this word is passed around a lot but it is a really good word to use um yeah i think yeah just communicate It's, I mean, there's a lot of good lessons you've packed in there. You've given me a lot of good stuff. Thank you. I think, yeah, there's, before going on another rampage, it's communication is the key to absolutely everything in our lives and not just um, being able to have a chat with friends, your parents, whatever. We know how to communicate effectively and in, an, in a way where we, we bring our emotions in we're actually opening up so much of ourselves and it can even improve our sex lives so much and whatever sex coach or whoever you go to tantric coach communication is actually the key element to that and communication is the key element to life so if you do have that lovely um lot of people you know you've got your community and everything community communication three c's what's the next c Anyway, <laughs> community and communication and clitoris. Um, yeah. <laughs> clitoris, yeah, that's a good one. You've given me the title of the episode. This is amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Communication, clitoris, and clitoris. Yeah. 
Community, communication, and clitoris Yeah, clitoris stimulant. stimulation. I think those are the life learnings of uh, 30s. Yeah. <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. There could be so much more, but oh. I think that's the main ones. Oh, I think, yeah, those are, those are really, really, um, you know, I guess quite tangible ones as well. You can think about how people can think about how, how they work on that. And, um, and also, you know, that communication with yourself is really important and it ties into what you said about that, you know, things will pass. And yeah, if you're able to kind of reassure yourself and, and, and have that actual true kind of connection, like you said, and communication with yourself, that's, that's really important. And that can extend obviously into so many Mm -hmm. different areas Mm -hmm. of your life. I feel like I need to take like a a breath, (laughs) like a deep breath. (laughs) Okay, you can do if you want. I might take one with you. (laughs) Okay, in a moment, let's take a deep breath. (sighs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And like I said, I'm I'm just learning so much in every episode, but, you know, especially now in an area that I didn't really know much about, um, of course, I did stalk your stalk your business before before I had you on, but um, you know it's really <laughs> lovely to just see you kind of so animated and, and knowledgeable, and you know, and so um, good at communicating as well, and um, what you mean, um, you know, by by your kind of tantric work, tantra, and also being a personal coach, uh, you know. So Ginger is on Instagram, and her tag is ecstatically ginger on Instagram, and I'll be obviously linking to her. Instagram through our own Instagram which is much better people podcast and we have a Twitter which is at much better peep p-e-o-p one if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast please do reach out um, either through social media or you can email me on much better people at outlook.com and on my end that's everything I wanted to say is there anything else you'd like to add actually one thing that came up was just that um I might you might say the word tantra and everything. Uh, obviously, that is a deep uh, philosophical. It's a deep and philosophical word, which can be quite mm-hmm. ooey gooey to most. Uh, but I like to see it as uh, a word that means live life fully and connect fully, and that's what it kind of means to me. So, um, yeah, live, live, mm-hmm. and love, and connect. Um, yeah got all that sort of thing into it so yeah there's a lot more associated with it than maybe what the kind of mainstream media or you know out you know the things that we would kind of be be fed about it's huge it's all about yeah. life it's just living life fully amazing fully and authentic live life it's the hippie, <laughs> it's the hippie podcast <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. thank you so much no, for thank you me on. that was absolutely Great. amazing and to everyone else bye